0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Okay. Sometimes the stars align, and that's happening today because the topic of today's featured segment with our trusted contributors from the Ontario Pharmacists Association perfectly dovetails the topic that we have just covered in the first part of the show. And that is the question of medication switches. We'll be getting to the issue of what happens when your prescription medication moves over the counter or vice versa, your over the counter moves behind the counter. So let me give out the numbers 416-360-0740. Toll-free one eight six six seven forty-four seven forty. But first I want to deal with the question of generics versus brand names, which we have been discussing all of the show today. So I'm bringing in Dean Miller. Dean, welcome, trusted contributor.
2: Timing is good, I guess.
1: Yeah, timing is good. So switches of medication, these are usually made to save money, whether it is for the patient directly or for the drug plan, whether it's public or private. So what's the pharmacist's role in this?
2: Well, the pharmacist role is really, I guess, almost like the referee in this because there's a number of ways this can happen. It can be initiated by the physician. It can be initiated by the patient. So the patient always has a choice, and the pharmacist will always do what the patient requests as long as it's within the guidelines. So, for instance, if the patient said, absolutely, I want the brand medication because it works for me better, you know, the pharmacist will find a way to substitute. Now, it's our role to kind of educate the patient and say, well, your drug plan may not cover it, etc. But, you know, at the end of the day, if the patient wants the brand, they can get the brand. Now, we've lived with sort of a a formulary within drug plans that require generic in a lot of cases, not all of them, but quite a a number of them, for many, many years now. So... The pharmacist is kind of conditioned with, especially with the Ontario Drug Benefit Program, to dispense generically. Uh, we're very comfortable with that. Uh, the pharmacist's position on the whole generic versus brand issue is that, you know, we encourage the use of generics as well because it saves the healthcare system uh, money. And, and quite truthfully, like the two physicians said earlier on, uh, pharmacy in general and that position of the Ontario Pharmacists Association is that we su- support fully uh, generic substitution as well.
1: My understanding was that that you're actually required to dispense the medication at the best available price, which usually means a
2: generic. Yeah, it usually does. I mean, some of the brand companies have brought their price down, sort of proving that it can be done, <laughs> um, and and some of those will be covered. But a lot of it is driven by... The thousands and thousands and thousands of different drug plans that are out there. So, you know, a pharmacist has to sort of have a working knowledge of all of these plans and figure out. And there's the rules are incredible. And and as you sign up and you come into the pharmacy and you present the pharmacist with one of those cards that say, I have coverage. Embedded within that is a ton of different rules that the computer systems that we have link up with the insurance companies, and that sort of tells us many times what we can and can't do. And and sometimes it means generic dispensing, and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, so it's a pretty complex world of, you know, sort of pricing and, you know, how it works with generics versus brand. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a complicated issue. But, you know, for the most part, I do agree with the physicians that the generic products i mean there's a there's standards that health canada sets that the generic products have to be within a certain therapeutic range of the brand so you know, for all of the listeners out there, they can be rest assured that, you know, for the most part, and not 100%, but for the most part, they can be, they can feel pretty sure that as they come in, and they get a product at a pharmacy here in Canada, that it's been approved by Canada, uh, Health Canada, it's of good quality, and they should feel really secure that they're getting a good, good, solid product.
1: Okay, well, um, let's get, down to uh, specific cases, not so much of of this uh, substitution, but uh, I've seen actually a lot lately where drugs that used to be prescription drugs uh, have gone and become over the counter drugs. So, what does that involve for the patient? It's something you've been using, and suddenly it's over the
2: counter. Well, the the it's interesting because today, you know, when you go to a a pharmacy and you look on the shelves and you see what's on there many of those items that you see on the shelves used to at one time be a prescription item and i'm i'm thinking about many of the antihistamines and nasal sprays and pain relievers and that sort of thing all of those classes of drugs at one time were kind of behind the counter right. um, on prescription and and i think it's a worldwide trend that's going on and and quite truthfully in europe it 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 pro- they're, they're probably leading the way as far as the world goes as taking some of these medications and moving them to over-the-counter status. You know, obviously that costs a lot less for drug plans and stuff because those drugs that were formerly covered by drug plans are no longer covered because you can buy them over-the-counter. So it's, again, it's a pretty complicated world, but I wouldn't say Canada's a leader in that, but but certainly you're we're all seeing a lot more uh, medications that uh, that you couldn't get before that now you can get without a prescription. And that's where the role of the pharmacist comes in to help you manage it. Because some of these are pretty potent medications, but they're sitting there over the counter. They interact the same way that they always did with, with some of the pre- prescription medication you take. You take so um, you know the pharmacist needs to play a role there, and uh, everybody should uh, feel pretty comfortable going to the pharmacist with those questions so
1: okay i 'm going to give the numbers out again for people who have those kinds of questions or any other pharmaceutical question for Dean Miller, the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. We are talking about medication switches, whether it is from a brand name to a generic, whether it is the other way around, um, whether the idea is to save money, or there is another idea. So, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that the main reason for, for drugs going over the counter is to save money. Um, I wouldn't have thought that they'd be approved for that for that reason.
2: No, I don't think they're approved for that reason. I, usually it's a safety profile that has to be established before. You know, there's a lot of times you'll go to your pharmacist and you, you'll ask the question, is there anything I have to watch? And a lot of times it'll come back. You know, not really. We've looked at the medications you're on. There's no interactions. And a lot of those drugs, the reason that they're over the counter now is they have a really good safety profile. So, you know, it's that's probably the main deciding factor in it. But, um, you know, I think... Um, some of those i don 't want i don 't want to take away anything from the fact that some of those are still very very potent uh, medications that interact with a lot of things, so it 's always it 's always best to check
1: mhm I, I mean and, and it 's interesting it saves the drug company money when it goes over the counter, but then it costs the consumer more well Cons- and they can make
2: more money too because as soon as it goes over the counter your exposure to many many more people uh you know you don't have to go to the doctor anymore you can just go out either ask the pharmacist or just purchase it off the shelf a lot more sales of, of drugs go through that way than certainly from a prescription perspective
1: oh okay uh but my understanding also is that when they move over the counter They're usually less potent, like the the dosage is is usually reduced?
2: Yeah, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take a medication that is on a prescription, and that has a certain dose to it. And sometimes, not always, I mean, a good example is uh, sort of the nasal sprays that you can buy now for allergies, Nasacort and Flonase, and I mean, they're just as Potent is the ones you have over the counter or on prescription, I should say. So whereas others, um, uh, you know, have, you know, um, you know, they're less potent. And 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 you're right, Libby, that, that is sort of the way that they release them. Often what happens is they'll be released that way. And then over time they go up. Ibuprofen is a good example. I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, um, ibuprofen was was on prescription only and now and then it went to ibuprofen two hundred was the one you could get. Now it's up to a 600 milligram strength that you can buy over the counter. So that's pretty strong. Um, uh, you know, a good anti-inflammatory. It's great for dental pain. You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, they've, got, they've taken a medication at 200 milligrams, and now it's up to 600 milligrams that you can get over the counter.
1: So. Hmm. I thought the max was four. That's the extra strength. <laughs> Let's take a call uh, before we take a break. We've got Sam in Brantford. Hi, Sam.
3: Good afternoon, Libby. How are you doing?
1: Fine. How are you?
3: Not too bad. Um, I used to have kidney stones, and a lot of times uh, the kidney stone got uh, trapped in, inside the tube, and I was taking medication. At that time, I was given the option of getting the brand name and the generic name. The generic did not work for me. Now, another question I have is, what is the difference between the drug companies purchasing a generic brand and buying uh, uh, um, uh, the brand name, what is the markup, and if there's any profit between the two?
1: Um, go
2: ahead. Uh, yeah, a good question. Um, so there's, there's a. I, I can't really speak for a manufacturer on how much money they make on a on a product by product basis, but certainly in our world, which is pharmacy. The markups difference, but they usually differ by the type of plan you have. So, if you're on the Ontario Drug Benefit Program, if you're a senior, um, uh, the pharmacist is dictated about what the price they charge you. So, you're talking about a dispensing fee. Uh, well, a dispensing fee and a markup. So, there's there's oh. two things, right? So, so pharmacist buys the product, and then there's a markup and a dispensing fee applied. Well, see, In, when I
3: when I was working. I was under the coverage of the city of Hamilton, okay, okay, the benefits. But if I wanted the, the brand name, I had to pay extra. Oh, that's the plan. what the yeah. uh, city of Hamilton was paying.
2: So often that happens. As I mentioned, there's thousands and thousands of different plans out there. And that plan through the city of Hamilton probably said that they'll pay for the generic product. There as I said earlier on the patient always has the preference to take the, the brand if they want it but often your plan will say you've got to pay the yeah, extra. Yeah but the,
3: prob- the problem I found is years ago when the generic brands were first just starting to come out the drugstores carried both the, the brand name and the generic but now from my experience over the years they don't carry the brand name anymore they, they just carry the generic and if they have to order the brand name it takes two or three days, and it's more, way more costed than it used to be.
2: Well, you know what? I think our world in pharmacy has changed a little bit to more generic dispensing. Now, there's many medications out there where – and it could be the drug plan. It could be your preference where people actually say, I still like the brand. So pharmacies still often carry the brand and the generic. No, 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 that's
3: not. That's not true. I'm sorry. i Well, I...
1: it depends on the pharmacy. Yeah, it depends. There's...
2: Exactly. Well, I... there are a lot yeah. of
1: things where they they need to order it because it yeah. not that many people take it. I mean,
2: keep in mind that there's probably fifteen thousand different uh, drugs available to Canadians, um, and you know we can't carry it all. So so we try to predict what the doctors are going to prescribe and that sort of thing so, so is
3: the profit is the profit the same if you guys purchase a brand name if if, if i go to the drugstore and i want say Demerol or whatever and if, and there's a there's a, a, a substandard a product that's out there is your markup the same from the generic
2: to the brand name okay that's,
1: before dean answers i'm going to let you go sam okay, because we have to take a break soon yeah, so dean will know. answer Go ahead,
2: Dean. Yeah, so as I said, a lot of that is dictated. Now, 90% mm-hmm. of Canadians have some kind of coverage. You right, know, it's either, yes. It's either ODB or it's something else. It's yeah. a private plan. A private plan. Private plans differ a lot. From, no than, kidding. Than, than, <laughs> so, so a pharmacist, I mean, quite truthfully, mm. a pharmacist makes more money yeah. uh, when, on a private drug plan. ODB mm. is is not that generous okay, to a pharmacist. Okay, so, di- so they
1: dictate what they pay you for the drug?
2: Correct, correct. Now- Those people, unfortunately, that don't have any coverage, that's an open market. I mean, the pharmacist can really charge whatever you want, other than what your sign says. You've got to charge a certain dispensing fee. Right. But the rest of it, the upcharge and stuff, you can charge what you want.
1: Okay. So, so again, um, it is the drug plans that dictate a lot of these costs. And that's why when we talk about Pharmacare, and I'm going to be hosting an upcoming edition of the Zoomer TV show on this subject... One of the big arguments is that if we bought drugs as an entire nation, we would have a lot more bargaining power and they would be a lot cheaper because Canadians pay the second highest prices for drugs uh, in the industrialized world. And uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated thing. It's not just a matter of, of the
0: pharmacists. So- You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zuma Radio weekdays from noon to 1. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome
1: back. I am here with our trusted contributor, Dean Miller, from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking mostly about drug switches, and we're going to go right to the phones. We've got Sandy in Kitchener. Hello, Sandy.
4: Oh, hi. Love your show, by the way. Thank you. Um, I have a question for you. Sometimes I have trouble sleeping, but I don't want to... You know, get onto sleeping pills and and all that. So sometimes I just take a sleepies and a gravel or or a gravel, you know, depending. And um, a lot of times, if I'm going away the first night, I don't sleep at all at somebody's house house. Um, I have friends that live out of town, so you know, we go back and forth. And the drug has told me that I shouldn't be taking it um, because it can affect my cognitive behavior because I'm over 65 years old.
2: So and wh- what's, the your wh- what's the medication you're taking, Sandy? Pardon me? What's the medication you're taking, Sandy?
4: I just grab over-the-counter sleepies. Once oh, okay. in a while, it's in a box, you know. And, yep, yep. And Grab All works for me, too. It'll it'll help okay. me sleep for a little bit.
2: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that pharmacist is is right, uh, but, I mean, certainly those, are, those medications are less potent than some of the prescription items and also less addictive than some of the prescription items. Um, right. They're very... They're very close. I mean sleepies and, and gravel are kinda of close relatives of each other. I mean Gravel's famous more for motion sickness and and nausea than it is for sleeping, but I mean everybody knows that, you know, gravel makes you makes you tired. Um and that's really the principle of how sleepies works, really. I mean, sleepies is, as I said, a very close relative of gravel, uh, mm-hmm. and it makes you drowsy as well. And that's, you know, that's why they use it for—it's just the sort of the way it's marketed. But mm-hmm. like I said, they're very close relatives of each other, uh, and that's why one is—but one is marketed for sleeping, and the other one's more na- uh, marketed for nausea and, and motion sickness and things like that. So. Right,
4: um, they both yeah. work— but- because you know, when you when you go away, I just can't sleep the first night, and sometimes I'm up 24 hours straight, and or a little bit longer, and then some nights I'll sleep for an hour here and an hour there. Yeah.
1: Isn't isn't the question how often Sandy takes these drugs? How much?
2: Yeah, I mean that that's a good point, Libby. Like um, you know, as long as I mean, we always try and discourage people from taking any type of sleeping aid nightly because you know you you can any of these, including the ones that that Sandy mentioned. Can can make uh, you can get into a habit of, of using them and using it as a crutch right. to get to sleep. So you know, usually yeah. a good rule of thumb is is sort of no more than three days in a row, and then you know try and you know uh, you know get to sleep the the next night, or you know take alternative measures and you know make sure you don't have any caffeine afternoon, and you know a, a good walk or something like that that really sort of kind of wears you out and helps you right. get to sleep more. But but I only um,
4: sometimes. You know, like, you know how sometimes you just need a good night's sleep and you know what you do? So I might take a, um, a gravel or a sleepies maybe once every two weeks and, and only one.
2: Yeah, Sandy, that's that's entirely fine. And, and yeah. you know, every two weeks yes. you're not going to get hooked on it that way. You're not going to – and quite truthfully, it's probably going to work more effectively for you because you're only taking it every t- two weeks because all of great. these things, you, you, you build a tolerance to them. and, and she told it, me not you,
4: to take it at all. I shouldn't – the other thing that she told me was um, – Every I had a I had an allergic reaction to a flu shot, which not many people do. And um, the the doctor's office told me to get right on Benadryl, and then they wanted to check me out. And and that's another thing too. I went in for the Benadryl because I didn't know what to get. Mm-hmm. You know whether I should be taking it, and she says, "Oh no, I should never be taking Benadryl." But
2: um... well, I mean, you were you were treating an allergic reaction, though. So yeah. I mean, Benadryl is the best antihistamine for treating any allergic reaction, other than taking something like an EpiPen in a very life-threatening okay. situation. So, okay. uh, so I'm not okay sure that that advice to me doesn't sound that that great, but. Uh, you know, fighting an uh, allergic reaction that, that is very sudden and onset. I mean, mm-hmm. Benadryl if, is always the best. So.
1: And uh, your doctor told you to take it. Sandy, thanks for your call. Oh, thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, um, we are heading to the close of the show. We do have a few more minutes left. 416 360 0740. Toll free 1 866 740 4740. I'm here with. Dean Miller, and uh, I guess that's interesting too. That once something switches to over the counter, does that mean that uh, it, it there's not a danger of it becoming addictive?
2: Well, yeah. Again, it goes back to the safety profile of the drug, and most times that's considered when they make that switch from a prescription item to an uh, over the counter item. So, so you're right, Libby. That is a very important consideration. You know, if something was deemed to be you know fairly habit forming or whatnot it may never get that status to go over the counter so so it's an important consideration that uh that they consider as they're looking at uh these switches
1: Mm -hmm. and uh we haven't touched on what happens when something that was on the shelf goes behind the counter when does that happen well
2: not often but but it has happened uh for sure and uh you know sometimes those products go behind the counter but you can still still get them so one thing we've never talked about really is what they call schedule two drugs people don't really know too much about them but that's why it's always good to ask your pharmacist because there are some drugs that just because they're behind where the where the pharmacist is means that you know it doesn't mean you can't get them the pharmacist could actually recommend that you you take them they have a different level of sort of uh scrutiny i guess so we as pharmacists can still recommend a product that maybe you can't find over the counter but it's behind the counter. Such as? Um, I mean, there's stuff like there, like higher strengths of iron. Uh, There's, uh, you know, some of the vitamin products, uh, selenium and that sort of thing. Um, uh, Some of the, you know, for instance, uh, we've talked about naloxone before, you know, for opioid addiction. Right. uh, You know, Plan B for uh, unwanted pregnancies and that sort of thing. All products that don't need a prescription, but they're behind the counter. Uh Uh-huh.
1: A vitamin, selenium, I'm surprised.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's a certain, you know, as you get into higher strengths of it that uh, they put restrictions on it, so.
1: Okay, Uh, we are running out of time. What would you like to leave us with on this whole issue of drug substitution?
2: Well, I think, you know, it's something that uh, patients shouldn't really be afraid of. It's happening, it's a reality. There's a big movement to go from prescription to OTC. Some of that is definitely financially driven, uh, but for the most part, Um, You know, it's it's for the treatment of of really common conditions, minor ailments, that sort of thing that, you know, maybe you don't need to go running to the doctor for, you know, because you had eczema or you fell into a patch of poison ivy or something like that. So the pharmacist is getting a lot more... Uh, abilities to either prescribe those some of those schedule 2 items that are behind the counter or even some of the stuff that's out front that uh, you know we can uh, we can help you with so
1: okay and the bottom line if it saves the system a bit of money that's good even though uh, we might have to pay more out of our own pockets cuz one way or another we will
2: yes correct
1: okay so. thank you so much dean miller our trusted contributor from the ontario pharmacists association